0: It's a really great pleasure for me to introduce our speaker today, Professor Marie Ladie-Fouladi, who's the Professor of Demography and Social Sciences and the Director of Research at the National Center for Scientific Research, CNRS, in Paris. She also is a member of the Center for Turkish, Ottoman, Balkan, and Central Asian Studies, CETOBAC, is that what which she has joined since 2019. The main focus of Professor Ladier's research is on the relationship between uh, demographic changes and socio-political transformations, using that as a lens to look at other changes which are taking place in society. And one of the main areas of her research has been on women and young people as agents of change, political change in Iran, which is, she is going to present part of that research today to us. And I'm delighted to say that this is about the, basically, the Iranian population policies, the the state's population policies in Iran, which had very successfully managed to bring down population growth back in the 80s and 90s. And now they have turned the clock back and are adopting a pronatalist policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mary is going to talk to us today about how the new policies are going to affect women's rights in Iran. And she has published extensively in her po- list of publications. It's too long for me. Um, visit to the internet will show you what she has been working on over the years. But she recently had a book published called La République islamique d'Iran vue de l'intérieur, which was uh, published in 2020. Can you show the book, please? It is in French. It looks lovely. And uh, one of her latest articles in the Journal of Iranian Studies has been the Islamic Republic of Iran's new population policy and recent changes in fertility, which was published in March 2021. So Marie, without further ado, I am... And please do remember to mute your cameras, everybody, and you can send your questions, write them and send them to me. And at the end of the talk, we will raise your questions, which Mary will answer. Thank you very much, Mary.
1: Thank you very much, Soraya, for this introduction. Before starting, I'd like to thank you for the invitation. I'm really very really pleased to, to contribute a talk to this uh, research seminar. So in in May 2014, on the pretext of the threat of an aging uh, population due to birth control and the drop in fertility, the Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei drew up a strategic program in a 14 article decree called Population General Policies. Indeed, it it is a matter of deploying all means possible to reverse changes in fertility, and especially to reach a target population of 150 million people. The first question is whether this new population policy justified. Is Iran on the brink of widespread aging and numerical decline? The analysis of the demographic situation and of population perspective provides some clear answers. Over the past two decades, the age structure of the Iranian population has changed significantly as a result of very rapid fertility transition. According to the 2016 census, out of 80 million inhabitants, only 24% were under 15, while the proportion of the working age population, age 15 to 64, reached a very high percentage of 70%. Those 65 and older represented only 6% of the total population. Thus, the ratio of economically active population to economically inactive population was at a crucial moment of demographic change. This demographic window or gift thus offers an exceptional historic opportunity to encourage economic growth, provided that the state succeed in creating a favorable in our environment for job recovery. But the Islamic Republic was wasting its active population potential. And instead of recommending the establishment of even provisory policies conducive to taking advantage of this demographic opportunity, the Supreme Leader has chosen to highlight the aging of the population. Of course, This imminent aging of the population is real and will worsen. This situation demands the urgent implementation of social coverage for the elderly, for instance, retirement pension, old age insurance, and special care. In no way this population policy will constitute an adequate response to the current aging of the population. According to the UN's population projection in 2015, Iran, with 103 million inhabitants, will remain one of the most populous countries in the world between 17th and 19th place. At this date, 2050, nearly a quarter of the population will be 65 or older, but the share of working age population will still be the largest at 60%. These uncontested data show that in the foreseeable future, Iran will certainly not be threatened with decline, the population or generational no reunion. This confirms the hypothesis that the new population policy of the Islamic Republic of Iran, initiated by Mahmoud Ahmadinejad and confirmed by the Supreme Leader, responds foremost to political and ideological considerations. So, what are these considerations precisely? The 14 article decree called general population policies are drawn up in equivocal term, which may give rise to different applications depending on the context. For example, the target of reaching a population of 115 million is not specifically state, but the first article stipulates that it is necessary to promote the dynamic growth and youthfulness of the population by an increase in fertility, which should be above the replacement threshold without specifying the level of fertility target. According to certain policymakers, the figure is three children, while for others, it is five to six children. Article two, among others, insist on the need to remove obstacles to reducing age at marriage, yet no practical indications are given. Several of the decreased article refer to the need to cover the cost associated with pregnancy and maternity for infertility treatment for men and women and for nutritional and health needs, including lessons in public schooling about founding families and the merits of so doing and so on and so forth. While six articles seems to focus on demographic considerations, six others reveal the ideological turner of the recommendations. First one, promoting and institutionalizing the Islamic and Iranian way of life to counter undesirable aspects of Western lifestyles. Two, reinforcing the components of national identity, which are Iranian, Islamic and revolutionary. Three, creating new settlement zones, particularly in, in the island along the coast of the Persian Gulf and the Gulf of Oman. Four, managing immigration and immigration in concert with general population policies. Five, promoting consensus and social integration across the territory, in particular in the border zones and among Iranian expatriates. And finally, six, encouraging Iranian expatriates to return and invest in the country and thereby benefit from their possibilities and capabilities. Indeed, being well aware that the predominant family model in Iran is to marry late and have a small nuclear family the Islamic Republic's policymakers also know that the prospect of reaching a target population of 150 million Iranian in the near future is utopian. This, to my mind, is why the decree never explicitly mentioned this target. Why, nevertheless, no hinting at the idea of peopling the entire territory by means other than rising the Iranian fertility rate. The first mean could be expatriate Iranians as mentioned in Article 12 of the decree. However, given that the majority of these expatriate Iranians oppose the Islamic regime, assuming they agree to return to Iran, they might instead end up causing political unrest for the regime. This is why it is unlikely that this policy will be priority of the regime. While mention is made of managing immigration and emigration in compliance with general population policies without any practical indication on this matter? it may be supposed that the Islamic Republic could envisage, including within the Iranian population, the couple of million Afghans living in Iran as refugees and or as undocumented migrants. Especially as since 2014, Afghans enlisted by the Revolutionary Guards, passed around as militiamen Called Fatimion to fight alongside the Syrian army have received Iranian nationality for themselves and their family. So it is very likely that by Iranian expatriates, the government, I mean the Islamic Republic of Iran, referred to these Afghans recently naturalized. This mass policy of taking in migrants and integrating them may also concern Shiite militia recruited by the pastoral in Pakistan called Zainabiyun and fighting alongside the revolutionary guards in Syria. This practice by the pastoren seems fairly close to the spirit of the 2014 decree and suggests that, where immigrant population included in the Iranian population, the prime beneficiaries would be Shiite. Furthermore, these recommendations are for border zones, thus peripheral regions, peopled mainly by Sunnis. In so far, as this zone, particularly those bordering Afghanistan and Pakistan in the east and Iraq and Turkey to the west, seem porous with intense regular two-way circulation of populations from the same ethnic, linguistic, and religious group, the state appears determined to curb these flows. In light of this article 13 of the decree, which calls to reinforce the components of Iranian, Islamic and revolutionary national identity and promote consensus and social integration across the territory, in particular in the border zones and among Iranian expatriates takes on its full meaning. The objective is above all to provide Iran with a large population but additionally one who adheres to the values of the Islamic Republic defined as the component's national identity. It is most likely that the Islamic Republic follows this path and for these reasons, the new population policy of the Islamic Republic may be defined as populationist. Thus, the actual yet concealed objective of the new population policy of the Islamic Republic is in reality to boost population growth to reach 150 million inhabitants. With an Iran of 50 million inhabitants, the theoretical state hopes to acquire a demographic weapon to exert influence in the region. It would indeed be dissuasive weapon that would be crucial for a regime engaged in a structural dispute with the immediate neighbors and with the West. And one cannot fail to not a coherence between this population digression and Iran's ambitions for regional hegemony. Because exactly of this ideological and political objective, I must emphasize that the Islamic Republic took some incentive, coercive, and aggressive measures in order to accelerate the process of reversing the downwards trend in fertility. It goes without saying that these measures were taken in violation of women's right and of course their reproductive rights. In other words, to achieve this new population policy, the Islamic Republic of Iran sees the women's body Let's take a look at the most significant and important incentive and aggressive measures implemented in Iran since 2010. First incentive measures, encouraging Iranians to marry and found families very young. In November 2010, Ahmadinejad expressed recommended marriage at the precursors age during a meeting in tribute to the actors and benefactors of marriage. He declared, I quote, for me, the ideal age for women to marry is between 16 and 18, and for men between 19 and 21. Who are, I remind you, in two 2006, the mean age at first marriage for women was 23.7 and for men, 26.5. Ahmadinejad went on to state that, I quote again, okay, we need to move towards simple marriage and support it. I believe a simple and significant marriage has priority over employment and housing issues. End quote. The expression simple marriage you, was used by the head of government to mean a marriage celebrated by an inexpensive ceremony and a dowry of a primary symbolic value, for example, 14 gold coins in the name of the 14 Shiite emicolates. Ahmadinejad thus proposed launching an initiative to conduct propaganda for simple early marriage. To this end, the Minister of the Interior set up a foundation called the National Foundation for Marriage within the ministry's Department for Women's Affairs. This foundation was tasked with coordinating all the state activities for the marriage of young people, supporting bodies whose activities consisted in facilitating marriage and helping set up new structure to monitor these goals. In addition, since 2009, the government grants an interest-free loan to Iranian people in order to in this name to Mary Mary York. At the beginning, the amount was about one to three million two months, but today it is between 70 to 100 million two months. To assess the impact of this measure, it is necessary to carry out a field survey, which is not possible under current conditions in Iran. Nevertheless, It is legitimate to assume that these measures, when these financial incentives seems significant, have encouraged young people from disadvantaged strata, particularly in rural sectors, to get married young. Indeed, we observed that the proportion of single women aged 15 to 24 in urban sector and aged 15 to 29 in rural sectors, after steady rising for three decades, has dropped from 2006 to 2016. In especially in the rural sectors, the mean age at first marriage passed fall from to 23.8 in 2006, to 22.7 in 2016. This can be explained in part by the impact of the state campaigns promoting marriage at very young ages. Moreover, the change in age at marriage seems to be in line with the fertility trend between 2012 and 2016. Indeed, While the fertility was established at a fair level, 1.9 children per woman between 2001 and 2011 has started to rise slightly between 2012 and 2016 at around 2.1 and 2.2 children per woman. Now, we look at coercive and aggressive measures. Halting distribution of free contraceptives. In August 2012, taking advantage of a speech by the Supreme Leader during a meeting in which he emphasized that if the population control policy continues, the population will grow, progress will be older, and the population will Ultimately, decline. Ahmadinejad blocked the family planning budget for the purchase of contraceptive. In 2013, following recommendations by Supreme Leader, the family planning center's budget was drastically reduced. Consequently, this center definitely re- halted the distribution of free contraceptives and stopped offering vasectomies and tubal ligatures as of 2013. Of course, contraceptives were admittedly still on sale in pharmacies, but given the serious economic crisis and soaring inflation, their price rose steadily making them unaffordable for disadvantaged classes additionally since this date pro-government media including newspaper radio television together with clerics during Friday prayers have started a systematic offensive against contraceptive altering people opinion to the often very dangerous side effects for women health the suspension of the distribution of contraceptive affects, in particular, the families from the disadvantaged and mothers' strata who until then could benefit from the various services of the family planning center to control or program the calendar of their fertility. Again, in the absence of appropriated data, we can merely assume that this aggressive measure has affected fertility and possibly caused unwanted birth, and consequently a slight increase in the fertility of married couples. More importantly, women were deprived of their right to choose whether to have a child or not, and their reproductive health right would have been violated in case of unauthorized abortion. The second coercive even aggressive measure is an article of a draft law called population and transcendence of the family. It concerns employment. According to this article, the parliament, Iranian parliament gives employment priority in both the public and private sector to first, married men with children. Second, married men without children. And lastly, third, to married women with children. In the absence of married applicant, it is possible to employ qualified unmarried individuals, men first, then women. Given that the evolution of the main determinants of fertility in Iran is Contributing to birth control, I assume that this discriminatory law targeting singles, especially women, has influenced the behavior of married couples and young singles. Given the severity of the economic situation in Iran and the high rate of unemployment, young couples are likely to have changed their family project and young men and women may have decided to marry in order to increase their chances of accessing stable employment. It is possible that couples in particular have reduced their interval between marriage and the first birth or between births if they have already a child. Of course, until now, no data available allows to prove this hypothesis. However, in the current state of knowledge of the social and economic situation of the country, it seems to be the most likely explanation of the slight increase in fertility between 2012 and 2016. Since then, The worsening economic conditions, mainly due to U.S. sanctions, having significantly reduced the government's ability to continue both its coercive and incentive measures, have led to a continued decline in marriage and, therefore, the decline in birth and fertility. After a slight rise between 2012 and 2016, the fertility started falling, to 1.9 children in 2018 and to 1.7 in 2019. To conclude, I would quote the paragraph 7.3 of the International Conference on Population and Development Program of Actions. It says, I quote, reproductive rights are based on the right of couples and individuals to decide free from discrimination, coercion, and violence, whether to have children, how often, and when to do so. Having the necessary information and means to make such decision, This is also connected with their rights to the highest attainable standard of sexual and reproductive health. So we see all the measure taken in Iran shows clearly that the Islamic Republic for this tragic necessary, I must emphasize the survival of the regime depends on it, did not hesitate to violate once again in a different way the human rights of women. While Iranian women, by reappropriating their fertility, succeeded in the coming out of the male sphere of domination and thus reaching dignity and equality, they again find themselves subject to injunctions that violate their reproductive health rights and thereby their human rights. Thank you for your attention.
0: Thank you very much, Mary. Thank you. That's very, very rich. It needs a lot of forming. In fact, some people have already asked me whether they could have the script of your paper, if that is available. Is there any way where they can access your written text?
1: I think that the most uh, important things that I talk about, they can find in my article. On the Journal of Iranian Studies mentioned. Okay.
0: The article that Mari is referring to is called The Islamic Republic of Iran's New Population Policy and Recent Changes in Fertility. It's on, in the issue of March 2021. So you will get all the figures that you are asking for yeah. in that article. Well, I really very much enjoyed the information and yeah. thank you, much.